0: I want to thank you for being a part of our new series, Together. Throughout this series, we're going to take a look at the incredible bond, love, and devotion we can experience in our marriages and home, understanding the bliss God wants us to live in. So sit back and listen and allow God's Word to change your life.
1: Hey, good evening, God. Whoa, hey, good evening, guys. I'm just talking a bit quiet. It's a bit loud there, not it? Good to see you all here. Hello. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'm going to put a vote in for, for Doug. God created math, but he's not subject to it. I think that's a quote for the night. We should all pack up and go home now. I think that's uh, awesome, awesome message there. That's brilliant. Okay, well, good evening, everybody. Great to see each and every one of you here this evening. Uh, as Pastor Phil said, all of the singles have been uh, shepherded away now into the green room where they're going to have some, uh, some fun with uh, Pastor Philip and with Megan. And uh, this evening, what I'm going to be talking to you about is about relationship priorities. We're going to be covering some uh, ground today, and hopefully there's going to be uh, one or two things here that you can take away with you. Uh, and one of the important things about our church here is not um, just that we actually give you a message which is uh, kind of temporary, which is inspirational or motivational or anything like that. Hopefully, you, you do feel inspired and you do feel um, motivated uh, when you actually come and hear a message. But beyond that, what we want to try to do is actually also teach, teach basic principles, teach. Um, practical applications that you can actually put into your life. And the thing about uh, the basics is this, everybody's heard them, um, but they don't necessarily apply them. So um, quite often you will hear the same messages which are going to be coming to you. Uh, This is not a preamble to warn you that I'm going to preach to you exactly the same thing as I preached last time I preached, that's not what I'm saying. Um, But some of the information that you actually hear this evening, um, hopefully you've heard before uh, and it's just going to be a reminder to you and just as a guide to you uh, and just to help you to... Uh, As I said, apply things into your life. So tonight we are going to be continuing our series on together. And we're going to be talking about marriage and improving your marriage if you already have one. uh, And preparing yourself for marriage if you don't. And as I said, I'm going to be speaking to you this evening about relationship priorities. Making sure that we have the different areas of our lives in the right order of priority to ensure that we have a happy and a flourishing marriage. A deepening and fulfilling relationship with God and a healthy and strong relationship with our children. Yeah. So who would agree that if you get these things right, then every other area of our life should fall into place as well, yeah? yeah? Okay, so prioritizing is very important in many different parts of our lives. It's important at work, it's important at home, and it's also important in our spiritual lives. Priorities are important in every area of our life in which we have limited resources. For example, priorities are important when it comes to our money choices. It would be fantastic, wouldn't it, if we had unlimited amounts of money to do anything and everything that we desired. If we had that, we wouldn't have to consider what thing was most important. In other words, we wouldn't have to prioritise anything. Which thing we actually needed to do, as opposed to what thing we wanted. We could just get everything and have done. It wouldn't be about, should I get those clothes or pay my electric bill? It would be more along the lines of... I'll take that model of Mercedes in every colour. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay? So, but it obviously doesn't always work like that. The reality, though, is that money, for most of us, is limited. So we do have to prioritise. We have to decide where we are going to channel those resources based on what is most important to us. In other words, which things have the highest priority. So if we're going to prioritise where we channel our money every month, We should absolutely prioritise where we're going to channel our time and energy, which are even more valuable resources, yes? So we're going to be looking at what God has to say about priorities in our marriage and other relationships, and at some practical applications in our lives that will improve the quality of our lives. So I'm going to be speaking to you very much from the heart tonight and sharing some things that you have probably heard before. But one of the things I love about our church, as I said earlier, is it's an environment not about inspiration and motivation only, but of learning ways to apply God's word in your life, which obviously is permanent. Okay, so let's have a quick word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you so much for who it is that you are, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful church. I thank you for our pastors, Father. I just pray blessings upon them and our family, God. And we just thank you so much for the opportunity we have this evening, Lord, all just to come together, Father, and just to learn from your word about different aspects and different areas of our lives, God. We love you so much, and we're so grateful for all it is that you do in our lives right now, Lord, and we just pray that all hearts and minds are open this evening, God, and that everybody here would leave changed in some small or large way, God, however you see fit. We just thank you so much for all you do, and we're so excited just to be a part of your wonderful family. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 14, 33 tells us that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So with his word, he gives us guidance and instruction for every area of our lives and that includes the way that we should prioritize our relationships so how should we prioritize our relationships in other words what is the order of importance for the relationships in our lives well the order is this relationship priority number one is god our relationship with god number two is your spouse your husband or your wife and number three is your kids so it's one god Two spouse, three kids. And that's the order of priority of your relationships. And by replacing these relationships in that order, we're structuring our lives in such a way that each of those relationships will be at their strongest. This order of priority is not necessarily relating to the time and energy invested into those relationships, but to the value that you place upon them. So let's look at how you should value your relationship with God and what the benefits are of making God number one in your life. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. In fact, the verse before that says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Which is quite fitting, huh? And in the book of Matthew, when asked by a Pharisee what the most important commandment was, Jesus replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So we are instructed to put God first in our lives, above everything and anyone else. Now, am I saying that you must love God more than you love your spouse? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Now, I met Molly online six years ago at the end of January, and ridiculous and romantic and sickly as it sounds, after speaking with each other on instant messenger, we fell in love before we'd even seen each other. And on February 24th, she led me to Christ via webcam when I was in England. And I remember very clearly a conversation that took place very soon after that. Molly told me that one day I would love God more than I loved her. And I struggled to comprehend how that could happen or why she would want me to love her less than I loved God. Now, I can tell you now that I love God more than I love my wife, Molly. But because I love God the way that I do, I love Molly more than I have ever loved another person, and more than I could ever have loved her without God in my life. One of the most wonderful things about love is this. The fact is, there is an endless supply of it available for us to give. It's the only resource that we have that we can give away, and give away, and never run out of. It means that the love that I have for God does not reduce the amount of love I have available to give to my wife, to my family, or to my friends. In fact, the opposite is true. The more that we love God, the more capacity we have to love other people. How exciting is that? So how do we know if we have God as our number one? How do we recognize whether we actually love God with all of our heart as we are commanded to do so? First, we need to ask ourselves these questions. What is it that occupies my time and thoughts? What is it that motivates my actions? What are my aspirations and desires? And what is it that I consider as reward? And the answers to these questions will tell us where our affections lie. And wherever our affections lie is where our heart will be. Matthew 6.21 tells us this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now this means that our love and our affections will follow and be drawn to whatever or whoever we treasure. So if we learn to treasure God for who he is, we will freely give him our heart. The heart loves what it treasures. So when we really understand and acknowledge what it is that God has done for us in our lives, when we take time to ponder on what it is that Jesus did for us on the cross and the impact that that had on the way that we can live today, when we dwell on the grace, mercy, and forgiveness that we've been granted, undeserving as we are, and we realize fully that we are redeemed, restored, and renewed for the purpose of relationship with the creator of the universe, it's impossible not to treasure him. Loving God and putting him as our number one is not a brain thing, it's a heart thing. It's about taking the information about who and what God is and transforming it from an intellectual fact to a spiritual reality. We must decide with our minds to make God our treasure and then let our heart follow and feel all of the reasons why we should treasure him. Now, I love my wife. She saved my life. She was obedient to God and she led me to Christ. She was instrumental in my life being completely transformed. She taught me and guided me. She was an example to me and encouraged me in my relationship with Christ. I love her for all of that and for a thousand other reasons. I loved her enough to come here from England and marry her five years ago, and I love her more today than then. But more than that, I love my God that made all of that happen. I treasure him because all of that is just a fraction of what it is that he's done for me and what he continues to do. Now, your story and your testimony is different to mine. It's no more or less powerful than mine. And some of the reasons you should treasure the Lord are different to mine and many are the same. If you've accepted Christ, then you, like me, have been forgiven of all of your sins. You've been created as a new being. You have potentially been broken from bondages and chains of addiction or dependency. You've been granted eternal life, and you're living free under God's grace and mercy. All of that is available to you if you accept it as truth for you and you embrace it. Now, I encourage you to think hard about what God has done for you and that you decide to treasure him, to love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your strength. And I promise you, if you do that, then your life will never be the same again. I promise you. Now, let me give you three practical ways that you can improve your relationship with God and come to know him better and therefore learn to treasure him even more than you do now. Because if you remember, I said it's an intellectual intellectual decision to actually treasure the Lord. But it's not going to happen in your brain. It's going to happen in your heart. So once we actually get to know God more, we understand who he is and what it is that he's done for us, and we know that at a heart level, then we will never stop loving him. Does that make sense? He's our treasure and we'll continue to, to love him always. So here we go with three practical tips. Number one, read the Bible. Psalm 119.105 tells us, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word can teach us and guide us in every area of our lives, but can also teach us more about God himself. We need to read the Bible every day. Now, some of you may be thinking, Well, that's obvious, I know that, and that's great, but let me say this to you. To know and not to do is not to know. If you know that you should spend time every single day reading the Bible and yet you're not doing it, you don't really know what the benefits of daily reading are. So you know, but if you don't do it, then you don't really know it. Nothing will help you know God more than reading his word. And my advice is this, don't just speed read just to check off the fact that you've read three chapters in a day or to keep track with five daily devotionals that you started on January the 1st. Slow down with it. Don't just approach the Bible with a view to learning from God. Approach it with a desire to learn about God. And pray before you read. And ask God to not just reveal things to you about you as you read, but also to reveal things about Him. (coughs) Meditate on what you read. Ponder upon it. Dwell on it. Immerse yourself in it. Don't take the equivalent of a quick shower in His Word. Take a nice long soak. The quantity you read each day is far less important than the quality of the read. If you speed read five chapters and learn nothing, and I read one verse, dwell upon it, and it changes me, then my reading was more effective than yours. So I encourage you, if you've not yet developed a habit of reading the Bible every day, even just for a few moments, then start tomorrow. If you read every day and all you're getting is tired and bored, change your approach, slow down, and pray that God would use his word to impact you. So number one, read the Bible. Now, this is something which has been laying on my heart this week, but it's just amazing how when something comes to you, how you get reminder after reminder after reminder. Now, when I'm driving into work, I like to listen to, I can't even remember the the, the channel number, but it's it's Christian Satellite Station, and they have um, a bunch of different preachers on there just reading messages, and I heard one coming in this week who said this very same kind of thing about the quality of your reading from the Bible. The fact that, you know, it's not about. We do talks, oftentimes we talk about, you know, one year Bibles and devotional plans and U version and all of these different things that will help you to stay on a structured plan. But let me tell you this the great thing about things like U version, who's got U version here? Okay, now the U version uh, plans on there. The great thing about them, and I'll tell you this because I know this from experience: when you do like a devotional plan, which is supposed to last six months or nine months, if you get behind in it, you can press a little button that says "catch up." Now, one of the plans that I'm reading on U version, this is no word of a lie. I've got—I th- uh, think it's a six-month plan—and I'm currently about two and a half years into it. So, talk about math not working out. It's a six-month plan, and I'm still reading it after two and a half years. So, the great thing, as I said, is it doesn't matter. Okay, I'm not putting myself under pressure. I could quite easily have speed read through that, not picked up anything from it, but I could have a little, one of these little tag things that they give you for completing uh, one of their devotional uh, plans. I could have that and finished after six months, but I would not have got the same information from it as I have by taking my time and reading through it. Does that make sense? Okay, so number two, the second thing which will help you to actually come to know God more and therefore treasure him more than you already do. And that's prayer. Prayer is conversation with God, and it's as simple as that. An active prayer life is essential to strengthening and deepening your relationship with God, and it will keep open the lines of communication. With all relationships, if there's no communication, then the relationship will suffer and it will become hard work. And the same is absolutely true of our relationship with God. 1 Thessalonians five seventeen says simply this, Pray without ceasing. That's the whole verse. That's one of my favourites. I love that verse. Pray without ceasing. And that's great advice. And prayer shouldn't only be at specific times of the day, when we eat a meal or when we put the kids to bed. Nor should prayer only be when we need God to come through for us with something or when times are hard. As Paul said, we should pray without ceasing. In other words, we should be praying continually. If you are in conversation with someone, you speak They speak, you speak, they speak, although that depends largely on who it is that you're speaking with. Um, And the same should be true when we are in conversation with God. The thing, though, is this. If you're in a conversation with somebody and it goes like this, you speak, you speak, you speak, you speak, and you're not doing any listening, then the conversation is entirely one-sided and you're not going to learn anything from the other person. The same thing. Completely with God. When you pray, listen. Many people are convinced that they are not getting any answers from God to any of their questions, but they are not giving God any time during the conversations for Him to answer. People quite often set aside time every morning to pray. They might set a time, set aside a 15-minute window, and they will go into the prayer closet or go out on the porch, wherever it is that they like to do their prayer, and they'll sit down for 15 minutes and they'll start off. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for everything that it is that you are, that you do. And they will pray for 15 minutes. And then they'll get up and they'll go about the business. So if they're actually asking for anything, please, God, give me guidance on this. Give me guidance on that. Show me this. Show me that. Give me this. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that. And you're sat on the porch. You're going in. You're making breakfast. God's still out on the porch showing you and answering your questions. And you're going off and doing something else. And that's a ridiculous analogy, but that, in spiritual terms, is what we're often doing. We will set aside 15 minutes of prayer, but our prayer is all about telling God or asking God. When what that 15 minutes should be about is five minutes of us speaking, ten minutes of us listening. And by listening, I don't mean, I mean spiritually listening for guidance and for answers to the question that we might have. Okay, so number three, the third thing that we can do to actually improve our knowledge of God and therefore, as I said, make him our treasure. Number three is this, attend church. It's fairly safe to say that if you have a close relationship with somebody and that you enjoy their company, you like to see them as often as you can and that you're happy to visit them at their house. Agreed? So why is it then that some people who claim to have a close relationship with God or some people that want to have a close relationship with God, they very rarely visit his house. When there is an open invitation twice a week for them to come and be in fellowship with him and a bunch of his other friends, to come and hang out with him and learn from him, to be fed by him and encouraged by him, why do they decide not to do it? God can affect you and your life in countless ways. And one of those ways is definitely through your pastor, and other members of your church family. Another vital reason to attend church is the opportunity that we have to be involved in corporate praise and worship. Praise and worship is without doubt one of the most important things that will bring you closer to God and strengthen your relationship with Him. So in summary, about the relationship with God, it will not be all it can be if you're not reading the Word daily, praying continually, or attending church every opportunity you have. The the opposite, though, excitingly, is completely true. If you read your Bible every day, if you pray often and just speak with God, and if you attend church at every opportunity you have, you will definitely find that you will treasure God, you will love Him accordingly, and your relationship with Him will then become the most important relationship in your life. And the simple fact is this. Until your relationship with God is the number one relationship that you have, every other relationship in your life will not be all it can be. I'm not saying to you your life will be miserable. I'm not saying to you that you will be divorced from your spouse, that your kids will hate you. What I'm saying to you is is those relationships, good though they might be right now, will be much, much better and more fulfilling if your number one priority relationship is God. So let's now look at the second most important relationship you have. And that's the relationship you have with your spouse. Now this relationship is second only to the relationship that you have with God. And it's more important and of a higher priority than your relationship with your children. This is not always easy. Loving God unconditionally is one thing. But loving your spouse in the same way is something completely different sometimes, right? And as for thinking that your spouse is more important than your loving bundle of joy that thinks you are just perfect, okay, definitely not always easy, especially if you have issues in your home of any kind, which we all do at one time or another. So what does God tell us about how we are to love our spouses? Ephesians 5.25 says this, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now this scripture is telling us as men, that we are to love our wives in a sacrificial way. As Jesus died for his church, for you and me, so we as husbands are to die to self, as pastor spoke about on Sunday. First Peter 3, verse 7, tells us this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now this scripture shows us that as men we are to be patient and understanding with our wives and treat them in an honourable fashion and with respect and care as the weaker vessel. But also that our wives are the same as us in regards to being God's children and heirs to all that God has in store for us. But this scripture is very important to apply to our lives because the last part of it says this, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Which tells us that if we do not treat our wives as we are to do, our prayers instead will be hindered. God is basically telling us that to keep our relationship right with him, we need to be keeping our relationship right with our wife. So there's an accountability there that isn't always spoken about with this particular scripture. But if we are not treating our wife correctly as God wants us to, then our relationship with God is being affected. Ephesians 522 23 says, Wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Now, this is a scripture that tells us clearly that a wife is to submit to her husband as the husband is the head. And it's a scripture that some men are quick to quote to their wives. The Bible is quite clear on this. For a marriage to work in total harmony, man should be considered the head. But what a lot of men don't do is read the end of the scripture that says, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. And this shows us that if men want to assume the position of head of the household, they also need to take the responsibility of leading the home the way that Jesus headed up his church. And that men also need to do it with a spirit of sacrifice, as Jesus did by dying to become our saviour. So that scripture again, very quick, a lot of men will quote that first part of that scripture to... Beat their wives into submission, if you like, and and say, I'm the head of this household. But if you are going to do that, if you're going to claim that position, you also have to assume the responsibility. Proverbs 31, 10 through 13, reads this way. and describes a good wife in the following way. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. So let's look briefly at three things that are important for you to prioritise within your relationship with your spouse. Number one, communication. One of the biggest challenges and threats to a happy marriage is lack of communication or a breakdown in communication. When we are communicating with our spouses, we need to remember a few things as we speak with each other. Firstly, We love the person we're speaking with. Secondly, the person we're speaking to is different to us, which is a good thing. And thirdly, they're different to us because God made us that way. Pastor mentioned this on Sunday, and it comes from a study that the Married Couples Group did last year called Love and Respect. The study showed us that men and women are different in every way. Men think in blue, they speak in blue, and they hear in blue while women think, speak, and hear in pink. Now, this means that when I say something to Molly, it's a blue thought coming out of my mouth in blue words. Likewise, I will sometimes have a hard time fully understanding Molly, because she will speak pink words to express her pink thoughts. The bottom line is, it's okay and completely normal for us to say something to our spouses and be completely misunderstood. And that's one of the things I pulled from that series, it's okay to be completely misunderstood. So it happens to all of us, and it's not just in your house, I promise. I really encourage you to get that study book if you can and work through it with your spouse. It will totally change your outlook and will really help you to be more patient and tolerant when the communication breaks down. I know it had a big impact on on mine and Molly's marriage, the whole pink and blue thing. Either way, we need to really work hard to communicate well with each other. It enhances our relationship and prevents friction and upset in our home. Number two, the second thing that we should prioritize within our relationship with our spouse is this. Pray together. The phrase, a family that prays together stays together, is not just a throwaway statement. A family that comes together before the Lord will definitely be stronger than one that doesn't do that. The enemy will try all he can do to cause upset and division in a family home, particularly in a family that he considers to be a threat. I can't stress strongly enough to you the importance of prayer in the home. The family unit and our home is one of the enemy's favorite battlegrounds. And prayer is our primary weapon against attack. Spiritual warfare is not something that's spoken about necessarily in a lot of detail or very often. But it's a very, very real thing. And as I said, our biggest weapon against it is prayer. Now men, there should be nothing that your wife desires more than for you to be the spiritual leader in your home. And one of the ways that you display that it is... uh, Sorry, one of the ways that you display that, that you're the spiritual leader, is to ensure that prayer takes place in your house. You don't necessarily even have to lead every prayer in the home. You just need to make sure that it's happening. When we come together as a family to pray, I will usually lead the prayer, but sometimes I feel led to have Molly leaders in prayer instead, which she's very happy to do. Lately as well, Scotty has been occasionally asking to lead us in prayer. And that itself is an answered prayer for Molly and I. So as well as praying as a family group, you should also pray together as husband and wife. Molly and I pray together very often with any situation in which we need guidance from God or with anything that we need to lift up to him. We pray with each other. We pray for each other. And in my personal opinion, prayer is one of the most bonding, comforting and intimate things that a married couple can do together. Number three, third thing that you need to prioritize, love your spouse the way that they need to be loved. The Bible tells us clearly that we are to love each other as we have already discovered. And it tells us that we are to love each other continually and unconditionally. The way that we express love can be different from one another, and it's important to express love to our spouses in the way that best satisfies them. The latest study that we're now doing in our marriage class talks about the five different love languages. And these languages are ways that we can express love to our spouses. And as individuals, one or more of the languages will make us feel loved in a more complete way. Your spouse may really enjoy receiving gifts or receiving acts of service like washing the dishes or helping with the laundry. Maybe your spouse enjoys having quality time with you or feels loved most when you touch them. The fifth love language is words of affirmation, which means that person, uh, that person feels most loved when being paid compliments or given words of encouragement. Yeah. Now, I want to really uh, just take a moment to really recommend and encourage that you come along to our Married for Life classes. It's the third Sunday of every month, and it really is very, very impactful. We had our Valentine's... Who was here at the Valentine's meal the other evening? Okay. Be honest. Was it a good night? It was a fantastic night. We had a great time, but we actually ran through the class and everything there. Now, this five love languages uh, course is amazing. I know I touched on it very, very briefly last week. And I shared with you that um, we actually did, after the first month, we took some homework away. And our homework was to find out what our love language was, what our own love language was. And we were to do the um, exercise with our wife. Now, not only did I kind of think I knew what Molly's love language was going to be out of the five. She also thought that she knew what her love language was going to be out of the five. And it turned out to be something completely different. We both thought that that her love language was going to be words of affirmation because she does enjoy being encouraged and being praised for things that she's done well. So we just assumed it was going to be that. But you answer these questions, these multiple choice questions, you score each one and then it comes out and tells you what your primary love language is. Now, praise God, her primary love language is touch. So, awesome, huh? Fantastic. So, um, for me to fulfill her love tank, I have to make sure that I don't keep my hands off her. (laughs) Praise God, see? Um, So, from that perspective, my love language is actually quality time. So, again, I feel like I've got the, the best deal out of that, because quality time means that she has to give me quality time with nothing else going on. Uh, but those love languages are very, very important. So now, here's the thing with marriage class. Sometimes, and I'll be honest with you, myself included, sometimes, you know, you come to church, I'll start church, be here, 7.30, 7.45, and then be serving right the way through for two services, sorting things out and meetings maybe after the church, and then leave. I'm normally one of the very last people to leave here, uh, 1.30, 2 o'clock time, sometimes, go home, get changed, come back for marriage class. Now, it's been on more than one occasion that I've not wanted to come. I'm being honest with you. We're all human, and we all get tired, and I've not wanted to come, but I can tell you this, that that marriage class, and learning what my love language was, and learning what her love language was, and this is not said for dramatic effect, not exaggerating in any way, shape, or form, that has completely transformed my marriage, for the good, for the rest of our lives. So... If that's not a recommendation to you, to just take the time, to take the effort, to come along to our Married for Life class. And it's not just about what you learn. It's a great deal of fun as well. Great great fellowship, great time to hang out with people. And we all get the opportunity every month to bring a dish as well. So it's going to be awesome. Please do think hard about coming along with that. Okay, so the third priority relationship. Number one is God. Number two is your spouse. What's number three? Your children. Okay, so third priority relationship is with your children. Now, you may not actually have children of your own, but don't switch off from this section because it's safe to say at some point or another, you will be looking after somebody else's. Now, one of the most important scriptures in the Bible regarding children is Proverbs 22, 6, and it says this, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This tells us clearly that we are to teach our children God's ways when they are young, so that when we, when we then, that way we set them up well for the rest of their lives. What we must take on board as parents is this. Those that are responsible for children... So, Sorry, what we must take on board as parents and those that are responsible for children is this. We teach kids not just by, by, by what we say, but by what we do. In fact, it's safe to say that we teach our children by example much more than by the words that we speak. If we find ourselves saying these words, do as I say, not as I do, then we're failing on two counts. First, we're doing something we shouldn't be doing in the first place. And secondly, we're doing it with our children, knowing we're doing it. And that's not said in a judgmental fashion. But if we're saying, do as I say, not as I do, you're confessing to them. You're basically saying, you're admitting the fact that you're doing something wrong. You're admitting the fact that they know that you're doing it because you're trying to turn them away from not doing it, okay? Okay. So we need to really be focused on the fact that we're setting an example by the things that we do. Children will always do as we do and not as we say, especially if they think that what we do is either more fun than what we're telling them to do or it's easier than what we're telling them to do. We need to be setting the best possible example we can do for our children. What they see in us as parents should be different to what they see in the world. Sadly, the world has a million different distractions for our children now. And the temptations that are out there in front of them are endless, and frankly, they're frightening. We need to be purposeful and resolute in protecting our children from the world and its influences as much as we possibly can. A lot of our youth today have a warped idea about several areas of life. themselves. They have a warped idea about other people, work, school, relationships, the opposite sex. And frankly, it's not all their fault. They are continually bombarded by misinformation on TV, movies, social media, and the internet. And we truly have to do everything in our power to protect them as they grow up. Now, I'm not talking about wrapping them in cotton wool. Oftentimes, I wish you could do that. You just can't physically do that. But what I am talking about is this. And I'm speaking to you from personal experience. You cannot assume that your kids are not being negatively affected by all of the stuff which is floating around out there. You cannot assume that they are not on websites that they shouldn't be on. You cannot assume that they are not being sucked into social media and they're not being damaged by people out there. You cannot assume it. My advice to you is do not assume it. Assume the opposite and then just hopefully you're wrong. But what if you're right? You really do need to be... And this, as I said, is pressed upon me to stress to you because from personal experience... So let's look at three areas that are priorities in the area of relationship with your children. So three priorities within the third priority. Three things that we need to make sure that we're looking at within this relationship. Number one, the most important thing that you can do in the relationship with your children is this. Get the first two relationships right and in order. The first thing we can do to help our relationships with our children is get our relationship with God and our spouse right. This will be a fantastic environment and an example for them. There is no more secure environment for your kids than a home in which their parents have a great relationship with God and with each other. And there is, in fact, no better way to bring up a child with insecurities than to put them first before God and your spouse. The temptation very often, especially for mothers, is to put your children before your spouse. And this is damaging to your marriage and to the child. Children respond best in a secure environment and in in an environment of order. The fact that children do best in an environment where their children love God first and each other second should be no surprise, because that's the order of relationship and the environment that God has always intended. Number two, the second thing we can do uh, in our kids, we're just wrapping up right now, so number two, pray with them. My number one desire as a father is this, that I can create in my children a desire and a hunger for God and a confidence in Him that is greater than their confidence in me. In other words, whilst I want my children to grow up loving, respecting and trusting me, I want them to love, respect and trust God more. If I can have my children depend on God before depending on anyone else including me, then I've done the best thing I can do for my children's future. In any situation that our kids can come to us with questions or concerns, we should be advising as best we can if we know how to help them. And then always pray with them and hand over the situation to God. We're setting the right example for them in the future by doing that. Remember Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Another way that we can also set the right example is to make sure that we bring our children to church. If they get into the habit of coming to church every week as children, they're so much more likely to make the choice to do it as an adult. And again, we need to do all we can do to encourage our children in in the Lord and to create the best possible environment where they will develop their own relationship with God because that's what it's about. It's about our own individual relationship. You know, I don't pray that the the kids just know God and they know who God is. I don't pray that the, the kids see God through their parents, myself and Molly. I pray that they get their own relationship with God because that's ultimately what it is that they need. Number three, and finally, the last thing, This is the third priority thing that we need to do in our third priority relationship. So the third thing that we can do to improve a relationship, maximise a relationship with our kids is this. Provide your children with discipline. Now our God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. And it's our responsibility to bring up our children in an environment of order and of discipline. Now discipline is not always easy for us to give to our children. But it's essentially to a healthy child it's essential to a healthy child and a healthy relationship with your child. Now discipline does not mean harshness or hardness towards our children, but it does mean teaching them the difference between right and wrong and consequences of making wrong choices. The, tom- the temptation is often to be lenient with our children and to think of that as showing mercy and being forgiven. Mercy and forgiveness are very, very important, and they should always be shown to our children when they do wrong, but they should be shown after discipline, not instead of it. Children respond well to structure, to order, and to boundaries, and it's very much harder to introduce those boundaries later on to correct an unhealthy situation than it is to introduce them earlier to prevent a situation. And again, from personal experience, and I'm not going to go into details, but right now I have an 18-year-old stepson who's 18 next month, 11-year-old stepson, and baby Elijah who's seven months old. And the things that I'm speaking about relate to Scotty. And all of these things which I'm talking to you about here, these are not Pete's tips on how to actually be a better parent. They're not Pete's tips on how to be you know, a better husband and everything. These are things which were pulled directly from the Word and from people with far, far, far more experience and wisdom than, than I. But I can tell you there's one... The greatest teacher that you will have is wisdom, and wisdom is basically coming from your experiences. And the best teacher that you can have is somebody else's wisdom. That way you don't actually have to go through all the mistakes yourself. I've made enough mistakes as a parent to know that what I'm saying to you here is exactly what I will be aiming to strive towards to achieve for my baby Elijah. Because I've made enough mistakes with Scotty and I know what the, what the... And he's a great kid. I'm not saying he's a bad kid. He's a great kid. But he's been put in situations which are not his fault. We're not horrible parents or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying either. But what I'm saying to you is this. If you can take the wisdom and the mistakes that I've made and implement them early on in your child's lives, then obviously that's that part of my testimony, if you like. And that's what testimony is about, right? Testimonies are about this is what happened to me and this is what God has done in our lives. So... That, as I said, is what that's about. Okay, so there are th- th- these are basically the three most important relationships in your life. That with God, that with your wife, and that with your kids. And there's a few practical tips there on how to strengthen and improve them according to God's word. Is that good for everybody tonight? Hopefully some people have got something from that this evening. All right, I just thank you for being here and for your time tonight. All right, but just as we close, and just before I pray for everybody, the first and most prioritized relationship needs to be that with the Lord. So it would be absolutely wrong of me not to offer the opportunity for anybody here that doesn't know God to actually just, if you would, just raise your hand right now if you don't know the Lord, but you want to begin a relationship with Him, then please just raise your hand and we will certainly pray for you and bring you to the Lord. Anybody? Anybody? Would you all stand then, please, and we'll just close in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we're just so thankful to you and so grateful to you for everything, Father. We thank you for this wonderful church, Lord. I thank you for this wonderful group of people right here now, and I pray blessings upon them and upon their homes, Lord. I just pray, God, that you would just help each and every one of us as we just go forward from this day, Lord. Help us in our marriages, Father. Help us, God, just to develop this these right priorities in our relationships Lord help us Father just to make the relationship with you our number one priority God help us to know you more help us just to slow down as we're reading the word God to soak it up Father just to come to know you more Father that we might treasure you that you might be where our heart lies God and then following on from that Lord I just pray that you would just have us in our marriages Father just be able to focus and communicate Lord with each other Lord that we would pray with each other that we would come completely under your direction and guidance as a married couple, Lord. And finally, I just pray over every couple here that have children, God, or that are planning to have children, Father, that have any responsibilities with children, that are guardians to children, whatever that might be, Lord. I just pray over those relationships also. I pray that you would give us strength, that you would give us patience, that you would give us wisdom, Lord, and that you would help us with each and every situation as it arises. We're so thankful for all that you do, God. We're just so love in love with you, Lord, and we adore you in this place. And we just grateful for all it is that you do and provide in jesus mighty name we pray and everybody said amen and amen thanks everyone for being here tonight all right we appreciate you we love you all very much indeed we're looking forward to seeing you on sunday if there's anybody here
0: we would like to thank you for listening to our message on together we pray that what you have just heard will change your life and bring new freedom to your marriage and home if you need any more information or just someone to listen we are always here for you Call us at area code 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us or visit our website at www.hflc.us. Have a blessed day and remember, when you put God first, everything you do will prosper.